I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I want to say a, a few phrases, and you tell me if you if you know what I'm talking about. It's just a little exercise. I'm going to say a few phrases. It's like word association. I'm going to say a few phrases, and if you know what I'm talking about, you'll know what I'm talking about. 870. Okay? 870. 700. Okay, last one. This should give it away. Illion, New York. 870, 700, Illion, New York. All right. Some, if, you know, if you know the answer, if you know what I'm talking about right now, uh, I'm going to give it away in just a moment. But if you know, would you send me a text message? 57500 is the Utah Community Credit Union text line. And I'd love to hear if you were able to discern uh, the topic of this next segment based solely on those uh, three phrases, 700, 870, and Illion, New York. I'm talking about the Remington Arms Company. The Remington Arms Company, uh, manufacturer of a shotgun, the Remington 870, a uh, bolt-action rifle, the Remington 700, and uh, up until relatively recently, headquartered in Illion, New York, uh, a small town not far from where I did a little bit of growing up. Now, why do I bring up Remington? Well, because they filed for bankruptcy protection. Again. And it breaks my heart. And I don't understand why. I just, I can't fathom how, well, I, I, know, I know why. It's debt, all right? So many of these companies that you have heard of lately filing for bankruptcy protections, most all of them uh, seeking Chapter 11 protections. That's where uh, the company can kind of still stay uh, as, a, as a functioning entity, and yet it allows for a little bit of flexibility to, uh, to continue doing so. All right, it, Chapter 7 and some of the other uh, bankruptcy filings, that sometimes leads to uh, companies being hacked up to bits and liquidated. Uh, ask people in uh, Bain Capital about how that works. Um, so Remington has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. It's uh, in large part because of debt. They just can't service the debt, uh, and that is too bad. And I'll get back into the details uh, of what circumstance they're facing right now, but let me just give you a little bit of context. This company, and forget what your views on guns for a second. Let's just look at uh, the history of, uh, of an American company. In your mind, think of a list of some of the oldest American companies you can think of. Coca-Cola, okay, that's pretty good. Uh, some of the auto manufacturers, yeah, that's pretty good. 
Uh, okay. Nice. Um, yeah, Walmart. Uh, Sam Walt. Yeah, sure. That's that's been around for a while. Yeah, some of the outfit. LL Bean. Yeah, it's been around for a while. Can you think of any companies who can trace their founding uh, back over two centuries? 1816. Remington was founded in 1816 by a young man uh, who was looking around at the various firearms available to him as he entered a shooting match. Uh, he thought to himself, you know, I might be able to make something a little better than what I am up against here. And he did so. He only got second. But, uh, but he impressed those around him so much so that uh, as he left that shooting match that day, uh, Mr. Remington at age 23 got himself into the business of manufacturing firearms. And that business has endured, under varied ownership for this reason and that, uh, has endured uh, for the last 204 years. 204 years. And now they are in the midst of uh, seeking bankruptcy protections again because they are unable to service their debts. Uh, I would point out, too, that they are facing these troubles. They're facing these troubles at a time where firearm sales and the demand for firearms is higher than it has been in, in my memory. I can't think of a time where there were more uh, people buying uh, firearms and seeking uh, background checks than at any time in history. And there have been two spikes. There have been two spikes. Since, since the coronavirus showed up, uh, there have been two spikes. The first one came uh, in March. And that was just after, uh, you know, we started kind of locking down a bit. Uh, that was uh, around the time where I moved from the newsroom here to uh, my own home to broadcast. That's where uh, many of the, I don't want to call them shutdowns, but like the, the transition from uh, work in the workplace work to remote working, that's when that took place. And for whatever reason, and, you know, smart consumer analytic type people will figure it out later on uh, why, and sociologists, I'm sure, uh, will weigh in as to why in March, when the coronavirus really showed up, that there was a massive spike, a historically high spike in gun demand. And Remington enjoyed incredible sales at this point, undeniably. I mean, if you, if you look at, uh, it's difficult to know objectively uh, how many firearms are sold. There are some windows into how sales go. And one of the best windows is, of course, background checks. We can know uh, objectively how many background checks uh, are solicited by uh, what you presume are gun buyers. There are also some, uh, some gun manufacturers who are publicly traded, so we can watch their stock value. Uh, Smith & Wesson, for example. Uh, it has fared very well, let me just say, <laughs> as I have watched that stock uh, climb and climb. Uh, Remington, different story, uh, tougher to know. But you would assume that where every other indicator shows that sales are, are through the roof at historic levels, why couldn't Remington leverage that reality uh, to avoid the need for filing uh, bankruptcy protection? It, it breaks my heart because I don't think it's necessary. One of the lessons that we have learned is that companies large and small bring themselves or have brought themselves right up to the limit, tolerant of much more financial exposure and liability uh, than in times past, right up to the limit, where one catastrophe could topple the whole house of cards. And how do you do that? How does a company get into that situation? Well, it's by taking on such massive, massive debt that the servicing of that debt uh, becomes 
uh, untenable when you are faced uh, with you know other challenges, natural disasters, uh, in this case, the pandemic. The biggest example of that uh, I'd point out is Hertz Rent-A-Car, another American company uh, that has been around for decades and decades and decades uh, and accumulated so much debt that this one little rocking of the boat was so much and so great and unsustainable uh, that it's, uh, it's toppled the company, quite likely. We'll see if they're able to emerge. We'll see if Remington is able to emerge. I, I really hope they do, uh, because I have memories. Uh, you know, some of my first clay pigeon experiences were with a Remington 870. It's probably the shotgun with which I feel the most comfortable. It's the one with uh, which I defend my own home. And I sure hope the company responsible for manufacturing that uh, is able to endure. Because I uh, am a big advocate of responsible gun ownership. I believe uh, wholeheartedly in the Second Amendment. And if you take business out of this whole thing, I believe that uh, Remington uh, is a great and important player uh, in America's ability to enjoy and exercise uh, the Second Amendment. And it would break my heart if such a, a large player on that front uh, were to be gone from history after being present for over two centuries. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we are going to look... Oh, man, I am excited about this one. Remember when I was freaking out and geeking out about that SpaceX launch? Space, it gets me so excited. And what gets me even more excited is to know that here in Utah, there are portions of technology on its way to Mars, which were built and manufactured and designed right here in Utah. I'm going to talk to you a bit about the rover that's on its way to Mars tomorrow here on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.